0: If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Right now, as we come in to this season, I just thank you and praise you that you are doing a supernatural work in the midst of us. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you come with a spirit of wisdom and revelation and in the knowledge of the king and his kingdom. Even through this whole month, Lord God, we yield this message. We yield these principles to you. And we ask that there is a supernatural revelation that takes place in our heart. So it changes how we see ourselves as well as how we treat others. And, Lord, I thank you that you are raising up world changers. You are raising up influencers in society. And so, Lord God, I thank you that this is a foundational truth that can literally change the trajectory of nations. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Most of the people in this house know uh, Prophetess Sharon Stone from the UK, so I might have to replace some of her UK English words here. But she gave a word for 2019. And there was a part of the word that talked about movements. And as you know, on November 15th, when my mommy turned 95, I launched my Stop Devaluation Movement. And um, it's a global movement. No matter what it looks like right now, it is a global movement. Amen? Amen? All right. Thank you for agreeing with me. Okay. And this is what she said. God spoke to me about ministries becoming movements There will be a coalition labor movement. This is not a governmental political party. It is the complement of Christians, ministries, and charities laboring together in kingdom agendas, evangelism, social justice, and basic human needs. There will be a grassroots groundswell. That's the average person, guys. A grassroots groundswell of selfless volunteers Millennials to baby boomers changing their world. Does this sound like my voice? Okay. These new movements are not meant to build someone's empire. Can I have an amen? Okay. But to create momentum and a spiritual highway and the Holy Spirit bandwagons to mobilize my body. This will get the attention of governments as they see mobilize faith, action, belief, and voting. God is asking, Do you want my voice of many waters? Then you must be a part of the streams coming together. That's a movement. It's so impacted me because I want a foundational message of the kingdom to touch and shift nations. And we are responsible to do what is possible. And only God can do the impossible. We do our part, he does his part. We give our best and he does the rest. That takes all the pressure off, right? I'm not responsible for the outcome, I'm just responsible for obedience. May God raise up, even within this house, obedient individuals that hear and obey the voice of God. And so, also in worship, I love this. My hope is in the blood of Jesus. What? I know who I am because of who you are. When I look at Jesus, when I look at the character and the nature of my Father God, of Jesus, of the Holy Spirit, guess what? That's who I am. That's who you are. Come on. And if Jesus can do it, he's graced us to do it. If this is who he is, that is who we are. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Come on, guys. And I love this. This makes me want to cry. And I'm not a crier, okay? How could a wretch become your treasure? (laughs) That rocks me. My mom never wants to admit that this little girl was a wretch. Not a wrench, a wretch. She never wanted to admit it it when I was. But praise God for her prayers that she never saw me that way. And guess what? Our father never sees us that way either. Come on. He knows who he created us to be. In Ephesians 1, 4, it says he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. He knew our stupid years. He knows the stupid things I did yesterday. Come on, guys. But guess what? We're his treasure. And a treasure is valuable. So with all that said, when we can embrace that mindset, we will be able to change our world. This will change your family. It'll change your marriage. You can go to 50 million marriage seminars, but if you can't learn to value the person you're living with, it'll never impact your home for good. Come on, guys. Are they different? Yes. We are very different but I value who he is. And I know you value me. Thank you. If it wasn't for him, I could not do what I do. But he values what I carry. And if I'm putting in a 17-hour workday, he goes, well, building the kingdom. No complaints. Do I have a gem or what? Come on, guys. He knew exactly, not anybody could be married to me, so thank you, Jesus. Laughter <laughs> If we apply validation to our family, if we apply validation to our workplace, to our church, to our nation, to our leaders, come on, guys. If we become people who look at somebody and don't judge them according to the flesh, but judge how God sees them, we're going to be able to see and experience the greatest harvest the earth has ever seen. Because what's going to touch and change the world is the attitude of those who know their God and carry his heart. Could you show the video? This is the movement that I've begun. And if you're on Facebook, go ahead. it's seen through our actions. Any fear-based thought releases harmful chemicals that are damaging to our mind-brain and the physical body of the one possessing the thought. When spoken out loud, these negative effects also take place in the minds of anyone who receives what was said. As a result, the toxic neural memory increases sensitivity to harmful thoughts and damaging emotions. Through anger, hatred, fear, and a sense of powerlessness or victimization, compulsive behaviors, devaluation of others, and even criminality. Neuroscience reveals that there is movement in every DNA strand in our physical body, positively or negatively, through our thoughts and our actions. I once lived with the anger from my own personal pain, and it kept me so toxic. It wasn't until I chose to see myself separate from my experiential reality, not allowing it to define me anymore. It was at that time when I began to recognize that I carried an internal strength to be the best I could be in every situation. I was then compelled to do what was right despite the wrongs in the world, learned the greatest way to fight or to do justice for myself and others is to cross the great divides and build bridges rather than burn them in the fire of my anger, prejudice, or hatred. If we're going to start a revolution or a movement, let it be fruitful in building healthy minds, cultivating strong relationships, and becoming carriers of hope. We have the power to be the change in our world by choosing taking time to understand, and modeling before others a heart that is good to initiate this positive action, each of us can be the change. A sound is being heard and by millions to rise with a voice of validation, hope, and healing. Listen to this clarion call and be the change in your world. Amen. That is a marketplace way of bringing the kingdom to our world. And when we recognize that devaluation is a strategy of hell to destroy lives, there would be no injustice in our world if there wasn't first devaluation. But when there is validation, we are expressing the heart and the nature of Christ We don't want our kids watching some demonic movie, right? Why? Because it gives access, correct? Guess what? We can go into our world and model God's love and his validation. And when we do that, it gives access to the kingdom, to the hearts of people. When my mindsets shift and my mind and my thoughts and my ways align with heavens, whether I know it or not, it's giving the kingdom of God access on the inside of me. How can there be a revival, a changing of the mindsets? I love this scripture. I think it's in 2 Chronicles. It says, if my people would humble themselves, if the church would pray... (laughs) And they would turn from their wicked ways. So where is the first level of responsibility? It's in the church, in the body of Christ. So if we would turn from our wicked ways, then our God would heal here from heaven and heal our land. We spend more time attacking the land, attacking sinners, attacking wretches, just like I was, Rather than valuing them and loving them, I went to this morning. We'll get to the PowerPoint maybe. Um, this morning I went to Proverbs uh, six sixteen, where it talks about the six things that God hates. Seven are an abomination. If we want to see. What causes God, because I looked up abomination, it means hatred and disgust in the, in the Hebrew. So if we want to know what disgusts the heart of God, if we want to know what God hates, you know, you can know somebody not just by what they love, but what they hate. And here are seven things that God hates. And, you know, we make mountains out on molehills all the time. Gossip is rampant in the body of Christ. Competition and rivalry. Not just our church should be a place of safety. The body of Christ needs to be a, safe a, pla- a place of safety if it's going to attract the world. Christians and churches can be the biggest hindrance to people coming to the kingdom. Listen to this. This is an abomination to God, a proud look, pride. I know more than you. I'm better than you. I'm smarter than you. I'm wiser than you. I'm prettier than you. I'm taller than you. Now, you know I'm not talking about me, okay? (laughs) A lying tongue, and that means deceitful. God hates that. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked imaginations. Internally, I'm thinking evil about somebody else. God hates it and it's an abomination. We'll get positive in a minute. Feet that are swift in running to mischief or evil. Let me find somebody I can be critical of. Let me judge everybody harshly. Oh, they're a wretch. They're a wretch using that scripture or that word. They're a wretch rather than saying, that's a treasure. That's a treasure right there. It might not look like it at the moment, but it's a treasure right there. You know my story when I got saved, you know, here I was an alcoholic at 21, you know, I was addicted to alcohol and cigarettes and bad attitudes, and I was a man hater, and I was a woman's liberal. I was all those things, and when that little old lady showed up to my apartment, guess what, she didn't see a wretch, she saw a treasure. She would not condemn me. She would not judge me. She would not tell me the things I were doing wrong. She wasn't pointing out the negative. She was just pointing out that she knew God told her to come there and take, her to ch- take me to church with her. She loved me. She did not judge me. And this was a lot of years ago. <laughs> a false, vain, deceptive, deceitful witness giving false evidence that speaks lies. Well, did you know? We are repeating information when we don't even know the truth. We are critical of what we do not understand. All it takes is a little bit of understanding and all criticalness flies out the window. Come on, guys, I'm talking about basic Christianity here. (laughs) He that sows... Number seven. He that sows or spreads discord or strife among the brethren. Man, that's talking about in the church. I'm sowing discord and strife. When we do that, we are yielding to the kingdom of darkness. And God hates it. It's an abomination to our God. It disgusts him. (laughs) So how are we going to change our world? How are we going to change our families? How are we going to change our communities is by shifting inside of us how we choose to view people. It's not based upon what they do. It's based upon them being a treasure to the heart of God. You know, this is something all of us can do like now. It's a choice we make. It's a mindset shift. This whole month is going to be a mindset shift to position us to see our value, generate value in others, and literally change culture. This is fun. This is a movement, guys. I can't do all the preaching with the movement. But the message can heal people. The message can heal our land. The dif- dictionary definition of validation concerning people, because mostly when you see the word um, validation or devaluation, it means money. And there's people who are much more valuable than money, right? But when dealing with a person, it means recognition or affirmation that a person or their feelings or opinions are valid or worthwhile. <gasps> Someone could have a different opinion. (laughs) When I value them, I do not condemn their feelings, even if they don't line up with the word of God. Years ago, I spent a couple days uh, with some individuals that were in lifestyles and, and ways of thinking and believing very contrary to the word of God. And you know what? I became that little old lady, not judging them based upon the external, but choosing to value them. I got to pray for one. She got healed. She goes, well, yeah, you can pray for me. Just don't say the name of Jesus. I said, well, that's the only way I know how to pray. Okay. And I said, Jesus. Would you please touch her back? Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You know, I mean, I said Jesus 10 times in that prayer because I wanted her to know who was going to be the one who heals her. And she got healed. And, you know, now 20-some years later, she still is in contact with me via Facebook. Why? Because I loved her and I valued her. And you know one thing that she said? She said, you're the first Christian I ever met that did not condemn me. We don't have to agree with people's lifestyles. We don't have to agree with all those things and major on the minors. Come on, guys. Let's just value people and allow it to give an inroad into their heart so they can recognize that we serve a loving, gracious, merciful God who redeemed us. He sees a treasure. That's what validation is all about. And it's not just about someone's opinion. It's about who they are as an individual. It's not based upon what they do. It's based upon who they are. See, if my love and my value is based upon an external situation or an action of a person, then it's not unconditional love at all. Now, we have to have balance. Remember, going back, who do I allow access to my heart? And don't forget all the other things I've taught, all right? But see, love is a choice I make. Trust is a choice you make. For 42 years, he's earned my ability to trust him and vice versa, right? Trust is built by the choice a person makes. But love is unconditional, period. So when we look at validation quote, and look at this, this is my definition, it's what I use in the marketplace, the attributes that release our personal value generated in others and positively transform culture. And we'll dig into these three over the next month, but I want to share with you the threefold progression and we'll go into them in detail in the, in the following weeks. But the threefold progression is the ability to see and celebrate who I am, what I'm gifted to do, my purpose, and the value I hold to make a positive impact in our world or in my world. I must first see my value because if I don't see my value, I do not have the ability to do number two, which is the ability to generate value in someone else. Biblically speaking, we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So if I can't love me, I can't love you. If I'm critical of me, I'll be critical of you. Now, that doesn't mean I don't assess myself, find those things that could be saboteurs, deal with myself, grow, advance, increase, multiply, become more and more conformed to the image of Christ. But I must see my value. My God did. Jesus did. He shed his blood for me. So I must see innately who I am is valuable to my creator. And when that's there, I'm able to generate that into others. I don't care what they're doing. Oh, I had a wake up call. When I went to Switzerland, I was in the red light district. I wanted to rip some guy's heads off. <laughs> and then I found out, because this is big organized crime here, it's not like, like in certain cities and you have a pimp that makes all the money. No, a part of those enslaved were the pimps that oversee the girls. And I realized, my gosh, they were doing what they were doing out of slavery as well. You're not going to mess with organized crime. It's so easy to make a judgment, isn't it? It's so easy to have a bias or an assumption when we have no idea what is going on inside of a person's heart. It shifted my mindset, and I said, Lord, I am not the judge of a person. Now, I'm not going to give people access, remember, to my heart, but I got to recognize anybody who abandons themselves to the lordship of Christ in a moment can be born again, and they can start on a journey discovering how valuable they are. I love the scripture that says, he who is forgiven much, loveth much. People say, oh, Melody, you love so much. I go, yeah, I've been forgiven a whole bunch. I'm not standing where I'm at today because my life was perfect and I did everything perfect. Same with pastor. I might tell my stories. He doesn't tell. He tells some of his stories, but all of his stories, and he's not going to either just to let you know. Okay. But see, we were wretches that really God saw as treasures. Come on. And when that takes place, we are able to change society. People are drawn to carriers of hope. People are drawn to those who genuinely value them. When my book comes out, if you buy my book, uh, you'll get to read a story about a a Jewish man that I interviewed. And he is 76 years old, I believe. And um, he, here he was, he was, he's telling me his story of prejudice and, and how he doesn't let anyone know that he's Jewish because as soon as someone finds out that he's Jewish, there's anti-Semitic things and, and people are rude. They don't talk to him. So he just keeps it a secret that he is a Russian Jew. And so he's telling me these stories. And one thing he said, it just, it just so, like, wrecked my heart because in the midst of this, He looked, and he was being counseled by a Christian pastor. And he was with that Christian pastor. I don't know if it was week after week, and the guy was pouring into him. He was building trust with this Christian pastor. It was beautiful. And then the Christian pastor asked him to go to a retreat. When he came back from that retreat, the pastor said, well, are you ready to convert? He said, no, I'm Jewish. I'm not going to convert. Then the pastor said, well, I can't talk to you anymore then. Instantly, his mindset of, about Christianity. So really, the pastor only met him to get a convert rather than just valuing him as a human being and letting God do the work. Our labors will not be in vain, guess what, when God does only what he can do. We've got to trust him to do what we can't do. I mean, that just broke my heart. Now he met another Christian on that day, and I had to get his approval to put his story in my book, and uh, or the publishing company needed it for, for their covering, and um, I went to visit him. He was just like he and his wife were so excited to see me, and uh, he was really going through physical things, and um, you know I knew his view of Christianity and prayer and Jesus and all that stuff, and um, I said would you let me pray for you and he goes now you know i'm not going to let you pray for me i and we're laughing we're doing it in a joking way and then i said well when i get out to the car can i pray for you on the way home he says well i can't tell you what to do in your own car and he laughed i said okay i'm just letting you know on my way home i'm going to be praying for you and he smiled he laughed Tearing down walls because we choose to value a person. Do I want people saved? Yes, I do. But I don't have the power to save anybody. I only have the power to plant or to water. And when I do it without an agenda, but do it with a heart that sees them as a treasure, lives will be changed. See, when you value something, I'll tell you four things that happen. How do I know if I value? I know I value someone or something if I protect it. If I invest into it, if I sacrifice for it, and I treat it as valuable. Anything that you truly value, you will protect Come on. I want to share a science with you. Some of you might have heard this before, but it's axiogenics. And it's the mind-brain science of value generation. And simply, neuroscience is how the brain works. But axiogenics shows how values affect how your brain works. So let me put it really simply, spiritually, spiritually. If my thoughts do not align with God's thoughts, it's going to negatively affect the neural functioning of my brain. But if my thoughts align with heaven's, it's going to positively affect the neural functioning of my brain. And every thought that I have affects every DNA strand in my body. You heard it on the thing, for good or for harm. And so there's so much power in validation because literally there is what they call a signature of value written upon the human brain. And so we recognize that when we value something, that we gain what we value. Because what you invest into, what you sacrifice for, you're going to get. You're going to have a harvest from what you really invest into. Where's Josh Yoder? Josh. Oh, there you are, Josh. Doesn't he bless you in worship? But you know what? That guy invests. He's been investing for years. Come on. You don't gain by doing nothing. You gained by working it. The master who gave talents to his servants, the ones who worked it, He gave authority over cities. The ones who buried it, or the one who buried it, he took what he had and gave it to the ones who worked it. Because our God is a good investor. He wants someone who's going to take who he is and his heart and invest it into their world. I want you to know our God is love. He doesn't just love, he is love. Our and get listen to this. You cannot love what you do not value. Once you value something, love is just gonna be there. You cannot love something you devalue. You'll not sacrifice for something you don't value. Let me in your attic, you will see 90% of it thrown away. Because I don't value a bunch of stuff. Other people, it's like, we can use this 10 years from now. Now, three weeks after I throw it away, I go, "Mm, I should have kept that one. But I didn't value it, so I trashed it or gave it away or something. (laughs) We don't protect, we don't sacrifice, we don't invest into, and we don't treat it as valuable if we don't value it. <laughs> so, in simplistic terms, the mind brain, our thought life, is value driven and it deals with what it means to be a human being. God is love. He is our creator, and he put his signature on every human being's brain, saved or unsaved. It's woven into humanity. Axiogenics is not found in animals. I'm sorry for those who love your dogs, okay, or your cats. You know, not that they're not valuable and we want to treat them good, but the fact is A hierarchy of value is not in an animal. It's only in human beings. Why? When God made man, he made everything and it was good. But when he made man, it was very good. Why? Because we were made in his image. We were made in his likeness. Oh, so guess what? If he is love, I am love, right? And so, axiogenics is all about being human, the human brain is amazingly adaptable and pre wired for incalculable goodness. Peter Demers, I know him personally. He gave me this amazing endorsement for my book coming up. He's not a believer, but he is one of the most valuing people I've ever met in my life because he's an expert in axiogenics and he knows what's going to make his mind and his thoughts and his actions healthy. Man, I was shocked about 20 years ago when I went back into the marketplace and I found people in the marketplace acting more godly than people in the church. It shocked me because it was like 20 years that I was out of the marketplace. And I thought, you know, they're not playing games. (laughs) There's all these games going on in the church. And I just rose up and said, uh-uh, if I'm going to pastor... It can't be about just numbers and growing a church in numbers. That's not success. Success is lining our hearts with heaven, being obedient to our God, and loving others like he created us to love. Valuing others like he created us to value. Not based upon circumstances, not based upon what they do right or what they do wrong, but choosing to value them right where they're at and caring enough to help them through. The biology of the human brain is hardwired to add value. We were created to add value. Look at this. Our physical brain is relational. The fact is, our brain is a highly social organ. And isn't it true? If you don't have human connection, you will start to emotionally suffer. Or if the human connection you have is negative, devaluing, destructive, usury, abuse of power, you will emotionally suffer, correct? I love this statement. Uh, It's on social neuroscience, and it says, most of the processes operating in the background when your brain is at rest. Now, if you're doing books, Laura, your brain is focused on those numbers, right? If you're writing a report, it's focused on what you're doing. But when your brain is at rest, what's happening? You're thinking about yourself or people. is that right? All the time. Peter Demeris says, our brains hold a hierarchy of value above all else. Our relationships with other people have the greatest value and are the greatest source of potential value generation. Do you realize every person you come into contact is your window of opportunity to value them? Gain an inroad into their heart by simply valuing them without an agenda, loving them without an agenda, and letting that love do its work. Guess what? For me to receive Jesus, it was a choice I had to make, and I have no power to control somebody else's choices, but I do have the power to love and value. We make building the kingdom of God so difficult when it's so simple. (laughs) Now, I'll go into this in more detail in the weeks to come, but I want to give this foundation. When I say the brain's hierarchy of value or I use the word axiogenics, which is a science, it covers these three things. And if you look, see the three pillars there? That's woven, it's a signature in your brain. So it's intrinsic value, this is the highest value, it's the foundation, it it is what must be there for you to be able to genuinely value. And that is the highest value, it's intrinsic, because it's about valuing yourself and valuing others. Then the second is extrinsic value, which is a lesser value, but it's so important. And that's about our abilities, our resources. So do you see people take a higher priority over productivity? Who a person is, is more important and more valuable than what they do. Though I celebrate, I celebrate our worship team, but I celebrate them individually as human beings first, come on, and then I celebrate what they bring to the table, and isn't it true if you're only valued for what you do, you don't feel valued at all, come on, if I'm only valued for what somebody can get out of me, I'm not being valued at all. If someone's trying to manipulate me to get what they want, I'm not being valued at all, no matter what their words say. Thirdly, a systemic value, and this is the least value, but it's important, and that's the systems or the structures or the policies. You know, in this house, one of our uh, uh, codes of conduct is uh, that we value infrastructure because without godly protocol, without structures and systems, we would never truly be able to value people the way God created us to value them. There's a health in our prophetic ministry because we have systems and structures that release the gift that people carry so that person can release who God created them to be. And see, then the result is emotional health. Now, I'll go more into the science in the weeks to come, but one thing I love about science, in these things, they're catching up with what God said thousands of years ago. What is our plumb line? Our plumb line is the word of God. If science disagrees, we throw out science. If science agrees, we go, yeah, I can use it in the marketplace, all right? (laughs) See, validation is the nature of our God woven into us. Do you realize every cell in your being is woven with the nature and the character of God? Saved or unsaved. But when I get saved, that I am translated, all me, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And we want people to be born again. We want them to come into the kingdom. But let us touch their hearts first by valuing. Guess what? Jesus came to redeem mankind, correct? God so loved this world, that he sent Jesus to redeem us. Redeem means the action of buying one's freedom. Do you realize? You will never spend your money on what you do not value, unless you have to pay a bill. Oh, that electric. But I'll tell you, we pay it because we value heat in the winter and air conditioning in the summer. So there's a form of validation there, Right? But you will invest and you will pay a price to buy back something. See, we were created in the image of God and and man sinned. So Jesus came saying, I'm going to buy them back. Devil, you're not going to have the last laugh on this one. Man, I'm going to buy them back. And all these that you have tried to destroy their lives, they're going to come into the kingdom of God. And guess what? That's why it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us because he's telling us what to value the most. Are we willing to sacrifice, invest into, treat as valuable, protect the reputation of the kingdom? Jesus paid the highest price to buy us back. He so valued us, he gave his life. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Oh, my goodness. He took the curse. That's value right there. He valued us so much that he took all the curse sin and death and destruction, physical sickness, poverty, death, anything that steals, kills, destroys, and sabotages. He shed his blood. He gave his life so we would no longer be under that Sometimes it's hard to receive the blessings of heaven because we don't see we are good enough to have them. Who am I to fulfill my destiny? Who do I think I am? Oh, I mean, there's some. You know one thing I love about young people? They dream big, and they're not afraid to dream big. And then here as we get older, we have some disappointments, so we stop dreaming. Dreaming. We just go through the motions, live life, work, pay our bills, survive. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'll tell you, I'm not going to stop dreaming. Yeah. I was just asked the other week, you know, when, are you going to retire? Because, you know, I'll be 64. And are you, I said, no, I'm not going to retire well, we just, it was talking to the Medicare place. Well, when you're 66 in two months, then you can do this even if you don't retire. I said, well, thank you for the information. I still feel 25. Guess what? I want to change the world. I wanted to change the world when I was 18 years old and moved to Washington, D.C. I remember saying that oh, I'm going to change the world. Why did I say that when I was 18 years old? Because God put it in me. God put things inside of you when you were young. Don't stop dreaming. And it's not about just big and grandiose. It's about taking who you are, the value you hold, the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you have on the inside of you and releasing them. Will everything turn out like we want it to? Probably not. But maybe. Come on. I'd rather shoot for the stars and get almost there. And shoot way down here at the ground and get there. Because you were made for greatness. You're a son and daughter of the living God. Come on, guys. You must see your value. That's all next week. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I love this. Ephesians 1, 7. In him, in Jesus, through his blood, through the price he paid. And that blood would have meant nothing if he didn't raise from the dead. Come on. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. We focus so much on sin rather than focusing on who we are and what has got our attention, has got our direction. If I think about all the bad things that is wrong with me and I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, and I live in fear and all those other things, when my attention is on those things, I'm going to have the fruit of those things. Because that's what I'm investing my mind, my thoughts, and my emotional energies into. But when I shut up the lies, this is Melody, you're not value. When, you, when I shut up the lies and say, oh man, you're going to get embarrassed if you take this risk, I go, shut up. I'd rather try than, and fail rather than not try at all. You just study. Wealthy, billionaires, successful people who have climbed the corporate ladder, guess what? They took risk after risk after risk after risk. We're so afraid of losing. But when my God owns everything, as I'm launching this movement, uh, you don't make any money because it's a movement. It's not a business. But it's costing you a lot of money. And so I've been telling myself, okay, buy this. Money is just an agent of exchange. That's all it is. The only thing that money has value in is to exchange for something that I truly value. And what do I truly value? I value my world. I value people. Man, I want to love as he loves. I want to value as he values I want to see people to discover what manner a man or a woman they are, because when you see how amazing you are and what you hold in God, you won't have to compare. You won't have to compete. You won't be in rivalry. You won't live in jealousy, or envy, or strife, or step into any of those seven abominations. I'm not comparing myself. I'm not saying I'm all that, but I'm valuable. Come on. In my flesh, hey, but who I am in him. And even in my flesh, he has chosen to value me. For this purpose was the son of God manifested, what? To destroy the works of the devil who came to steal, kill, and destroy, right? Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. And guess what? I said this earlier. There would be no injustice if there wasn't first devaluation. Hitler could have never killed 11 million people if he first didn't dehumanize them and devalue them, right? So I have to devalue so that I can abuse. I have to take away someone's value as a human being so I can use them for my gain. There would be no sex trafficking if there was validation. Romans 2, 4 in the Amplified, I love this. Or do you have no regard for the wealth of his kindness and tolerance? That's like a dirty word in the church. It's in the Bible, in the Amplified. His kindness, tolerance and patience in withholding his wrath. God is withholding his wrath, why? It is his desire that all would come to know him, that all would see their value, that all would see their worth, that people could walk in emotional health and live forever in light. Are you actually unaware or ignorant of the fact that God's kindness or goodness leads you to repentance? That is to change your inner self, your old way of thinking. Seek his purpose for your life. Listen, I love this. What leads us to repentance? What leads us to change our thinking? It's his goodness. God pouring out his goodness on us changes the way we think. And what is it changes? Instead of being a wretch, I'm his treasure. He poured out his goodness on me. must love me. I remember when I got up the next morning after I said, God, if you're there, do something in my life. And I started throwing away all my Coors beer cans. I had no desire to drink anymore. I was instantly delivered. Come on, guys, that's a big deal. My lightning fast brain said, God, if you're there, do something in my life. I have no desire for alcohol. There must be a God. The goodness of God changed my mindset. And it caused me to embark on a journey where all the radical passion that I had to change the world, to climb the corporate ladder, to be successful, was for other people to know this God. I didn't know what I was doing, but I was radical about it. I had zeal with no knowledge. I was aggressive. I was forceful, type A woman. Trying to force people. You need God. Well, how do I get them? I don't know. Just say this. I grab them by the the nap of their neck of their clothes, and you need God, and they go, okay, okay, okay. And if you would have known me before, you knew why they said, okay, because I'd punch where I need to punch, hit whatever I need to hit, break a nose. If I needed to break a nose, that was just melody. I can still, I can still kick. see? (laughs) So look at Jesus and I'm almost done. Look at the woman caught in adultery. Do you see validation in Jesus or do you see condemnation in Jesus? She was caught in the act. Now, is adultery something that can be destructive? Do we label it as a sin in the church community? Come on. All right? And they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of adultery. Where's that man? I don't know. But... Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman to death. Oh, my goodness, we might not get out stones, but here we are. (gasps) You did that, Carolyn. Did you know Carolyn did that? Did you hear about that? And we're throwing these verbal stones to destroy her character. And you might even say, oh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. But the next time you see Carolyn, you think about what was just said stoning with our words. So what do you say to do with her? What is your sentence? They said this to test him or test Jesus, hoping that they would have grounds for accusing him. Oh my goodness, they got all religious on us, on him. Why? So they could accuse him. Setting a trap. Manipulation. But Jesus stooped down, you know, he wrote in the ground, and he said, he who is without any sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone. Come on, guys. Until we arrive at perfection, we have no right to judge another. And the moment we do that, we've got to deal with ourselves because the one that's in sin is me. In my, the byline of my book is silencing the internal voice of bigotry. I gotta silence that internal voice that causes me to be bigoted and prejudiced and biased and assumption and judgmental and gossiping. I gotta deal with that in me because if it's not in me, value is just gonna come out. Because it's not just our out- outward actions, it's an expression of what's in our heart. This is coming out stronger. It was supposed to be really ooey gooey. Then he stooped down again and started writing and you know this story, or. Maybe. Let me just read it. They listened to his reply, and they began to go out one by one. Oh, man, how do you fight that? Right? Starting with the oldest ones until he was left alone with the woman standing there before him in the center of the court. Straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She answered, no one, Lord, Lord. Lord. Lord, there was revelation right there. Oh, my gosh. No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. (gasps) Well, my goodness, look what she did. She was caught in the act. Man, we need to tell the world how how they're sinning. We need to tell the world, all what sin is. Oh, I'll tell you, the world knows more about what a Christian should act like than the Christians do. Has anybody ever said, and you say you're a Christian? All right? The world knows what it means to be a Christian. Jesus didn't condemn her. He said, now go and sin no more. I love Charles Finney's definition of sin. And it was anything that devalued or dehumanized a person. Have you ever devalued yourself? That's sin. Every lie you believed about yourself, that is sin. Because it keeps you back from the revelation of the treasure that you are. This is not pride. It's not arrogance. Because if you have a healthy view of the value you hold, there isn't pride. Because now you're not trying to get something to meet your need. You're living giving to someone else. You're generating value in others. You're investing into others because I'm not trying to get something from Donna. I need Donna to love me. No, when I know my value, I'm not trying to suck the life out of somebody else to make me feel something I don't feel. It's liberating to see how valuable we are because then you're not striving, you're just being. John 12, three through eight in the New Living Translation. This is Mary. Remember when she took the, that pint of, of perfume, which was the equivalent to a year's salary. Man, if you make 50,000 a year, it would be like, Pouring out $50,000 worth of oil onto Jesus' feet. Come on, guys. That was a lot of value going on. Come on. Isn't it unique how in the Bible it even reveals in the New Living that it was a year's worth of salary? You don't spend a year's worth of salary unless you value something. She poured out that. And, of course, what happened? (laughs) Judas... Was all offended. Do you see what she's doing? Got really spiritual. She could have given that to the poor. And she should have spent it this way. And she should have done it this way. And this is what she should have done. Judgment, bias, assumption, gossip, devaluing, criticalness. All wrapped up in Judas. And isn't it unique that it said Judas? Because he had a lot of things going on on the inside of him. You know, when someone's critical of you, Don't get mad at them. Pray for them. Because guess what? They're critical of themselves. If someone tries to shame you, it's because they feel shame. So when Judas was doing this, I love Jesus' response. Leave her alone. Really in-depth, Scriptural foundation right here, right? (laughs) He said, leave her alone. You want to talk bad to me about somebody else? Leave them alone. You walk out your own destiny with fear and trembling. You obey God. Let them walk out theirs. Just leave them alone. (laughs) See, you think I'm touched. Jesus was pretty tough there. And guess what? Thousands of years later, we're still talking about it. You know what he did? He was valuing her expression of value towards him. Leave her alone. What she's doing now is valuable. And where she was devalued by others, Jesus demonstrated value to her. Jesus protected her from the critics, he valued it, her with his words and his actions. There is a movement, a movement, a mindset of validation. And I am thoroughly convinced, and you know, your voice is everything, you know. (laughs) And so I see everything through this. But I am convinced, if we have a foundation of value, which is the very foundation that was in, in the Father's heart to send Jesus, how will we impact our world? Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for each one. And I just thank you that you are shifting our mindsets. You're causing us to recognize how valuable we are. And every time we've looked at ourselves, I just want everyone's eyes closed. And I'm not going to do an altar call or anything this morning. Because I think you need to look at your own life. And you need to say, where have I been critical of myself Where have I believed the lies of the enemy? Where have I taken what people said about me and embraced it into my heart as truth? Where are the times that I look in the mirror and I say, I'm not good enough? What's wrong with me? I'll never amount to anything. Right now, we repent. We repent for every lying thing we said about ourselves. And Lord, we choose to see ourselves today as your treasure. Thank you, Jesus, for valuing us so much that we are forgiven because you've shed your blood. We open up our heart, we open up our soul, and we give you a fullness of access to us, to our thoughts. to our attitudes, our emotions, our actions. And secondly, Lord, forgive us. Forgive me when there's been criticalness and judgment. Lord, we all have things that we have to deal with in life and determinations and boundaries we need to establish but we never want to do it at the expense of devaluing another. Lord, forgive us where we put somebody else down to exalt ourselves. We've shamed another so we could feel better about ourselves. That we hated those who hurt us and rejected us and betrayed us, rather than seeing that they did all those things out of their own pain, out of their own shame. Make us lovers, God. Cause this mindset shift to begin to take place. Cause us to practice this over the next week. So next week we come back and hear more so we can practice it another week and another week and another week. And if a habit can be changed and our brain can be wire, rewired in 21 days by thinking and doing and acting and responding a certain way for 21 days, Lord God, we can be transformed by the end of this month. And we can go into this new year with a whole new way of thinking, a whole new way of feeling, a whole new way of believing. And right now, I just cut off every disappointment. I break off all fear. I break off everything that causes us to feel inadequate, to feel like we failed, that we're not good enough, that when we compare ourselves with others, which you said we're not to do, but we always come up lacking or come up that we think we're better than. Lord, we just break all those things off right now and we just thank you that you're going to take the pain of our past and launch us into purpose. You're going to take our disappointments and you're positioning us for appointments. Encounters with heaven. Father, right now I just pray for each one. If there's anyone here that has never opened up their heart, and say jesus i didn't realize how much you loved me and so i choose right now to receive you as my savior i choose now you now and allow you to come and dwell in the midst of me if that's anybody could you just raise your hand if you're here And you say, yeah, I love God. I know he loves me. But I've lived with a devaluation of myself. And I found myself devaluing others to somehow remove that. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, they know where they're at. And I ask for the Holy Spirit To invade every cell of their being. To stir within their spirit man a revelation that will change the way they think. Change the way they believe. So that they have the courage to move forward in this season. In Jesus' name.